the rape through the half. I'm motivating the public. That's what my grandma, we stay with them hammers. My nigga don't make me come drill something. Hey, out the slammy, he keep a banana real hitter, he ready to peel something. All of these cameras, if they want to get us, no worry, them hitters, they still dumb it. Got him on camera, he running from niggas, but he on the gram and he still fronting. It's time to make an example. Them niggas you with, I swear they ain't riding, they pussy. All right, folks, we're back once again, live in Greenwood. Bonjour, shalom, and what's up? And welcome back to episode 83 of How You Living. The show. Or is it 84? It's one of those. (laughs) Either way, it is the show recorded live in the JPR3 studios here, also in Greenwood, stepping out for once outside of the jazz tower we're here in the mikhail compound recording live number 84 and as always though new location same old show i ask the first question Chaz, how you living you know it's been it's been interesting um had a good thanksgiving uh weekend uh saw a movie hung out went went to see um dance saw some live shows uh um and <clears throat> yeah things are interesting like the world world's an interesting place now that like black friday has happened and all that jazz yeah we are at the end the tail end of uh of thanksgiving weekend here the sunday and yeah black friday you know went off from uh, what i saw no no not too much craziness going on as far as uh uh people like storming uh you know stores and getting trampled from what i've seen i haven't seen any of those reports this year yeah uh, a lot of the the cyber monday has leaked into uh, uh thanksgiving and black friday so you're getting a lot of the people doing their shopping online even earlier yeah and because i heard when i was listening to up first that because uh thanksgiving happened so late in the year this or late in the month this year um, that a lot of Black Friday stuff was happening weeks earlier. Like, for instance, I went out and bought new clothes at uh, Old Navy on Wednesday, and I got Black Friday prices on Wednesday. That's kind of weird. So, so I think uh, uh, probably partially to kind of avoid those whole catastrophe situations with people storming the shelves, mm-hmm. but also just spreading out for their own kind of uh, inventory and everything, kind of spreading the... Uh, the demand out a little bit, making For sure. it a little easier on them. And then obviously we're in the Amazon era, so pretty much everyone ships Amazon, or you got UPS and FedEx doing, you know, corporate deals with whether it's Best Buy or Walmart. And mm-hmm. so uh, my roommates upstairs just got a 55 inch 4K television delivered by Best Buy yesterday. Oh, so, there you go. So they're up there watching the uh, the Ravens and the 49ers. In an epic matchup of one loss teams. Ooh. Oh wow! Okay. Or actually, I think, uh, uh, yeah, Niners are one loss. Ravens have two, but still. Okay, and that's still a pretty good record for this it, late in the season. It is. It is. But early in the season of this episode, uh, we always start with a simple little uh, segment that goes all the way back to episode two of this show. Yes, sir. Which is callbacks. <laughs> A look back on episodes prior to now, things we've talked about, things that might now have something relevant to uh, to what's going on now. Uh, what's what's in your uh, callback realm these days, Chaz? Well, you know, I wanted to get the debates out of the way because I finally finished the debates this morning, and there wasn't really a lot of new stuff that they said there. It was kind of the same old qu- answers. Um, they give, did field some more answers about, like, um 
international policy and international relations to like Andrew Yang and everything like that. But I feel like we have a pretty good idea of where the candidates stand at the moment. Okay. Um, and I also wanted to use that as a leg up to talk about, uh, I guess there's two new people in the race. There's, um, I think one dude, last name is Patel and there's uh Bloomberg. Oh yeah. Michael Bloomberg, uh, former mayor of New York, always been kind of floated as a possible candidate, mm-hmm. uh, mostly kind of considered as an independent, kind of a conservative-leaning liberal to mm-hmm. a degree. Uh, so a lot of people kind of upset. They don't know what his candidacy means at this point in the race, but um, you know he's definitely a counterpoint to Trump in the sense that he doesn't hold uh, those same values as far as kind of immigration and things like that and then also uh, a very wealthy man so one person if that's kind of the measure that the republicans are using to vote for oh well trump self-made and he paid for his campaign himself you know mm-hmm. and and that kind of r- lie as it were but uh it, it, at least bloomberg has the image of well he can maybe afford to do this and and not tax the the taxpayer base um so what do you what do you think out of that coming out of the 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 debates what's uh what's on your mind from um that? i mean i still think the front runners are um uh, warren uh, uh bernie and biden uh and we're coming down to like our last debates before we go into like the first four primaries and then super tuesday uh-huh. and i don't know um i guess we could look at the uh like any of the polling to see if they're moving it like i know andrew yang is going up in the polls um, but I do still think like one of his stop gaps is that like in order to implement his UBI, you have to opt into the UBI, but not get like other social programs that might be like are more robust and get more out of it for the money put into it. So right, and yeah. there, and there was some talk about like uh, Buttigieg getting uh, Buttigieg, you know, uh, Buttigieg, uh getting getting more uh, kind of traction in Iowa. There was some talk of that last mm-hmm. week as well. Uh, words describing it as a surge, uh, um, but still kind of a fringe candidate, but now kind of entering in the realm of a possible kind of vice presidential yeah. nominee. Because there's always this kind of, they don't usually pick, like, you know, Obama didn't pick uh, Hillary, he picked Biden. It's not mm-hmm. always the next up as far as popularity. It's usually kind of a more fringe candidate mm-hmm. that gets pulled into that role. So um that's an interesting thing to look at um yeah i think um yeah we'll see i'll be very interested to see like what before iowa because i think i was the first one uh so not before iowa after iowa but then like super tuesday is going to be the one that's really gonna show who's going to be the front runner to getting those 2300 votes to actually get the nomination yeah and to see where like that division of votes in and remember like as i've always said like that's the time where you go to advocate for your candidate like if you can get the time off um sometimes it happened on the weekend sometimes it happened in the middle of the week i know washington's is happening on a tuesday which is going to make it really hard for uh working people to get that off to advocate for the person they can so right. if you can if you know you know someone who got that privilege that can get that pto or something ask them to advocate advocate for your candidate because i'm actually really excited to take a day of pto and go to this and see if i can record it and see if i can just you know get a vibe because i really enjoyed it when it was uh bernie and hillary and basically it was like i want bernie because of reasons i want hillary because of reasons and i know in seattle it was a pretty big split between bernie and hillary based on our various districts that would get the various votes that went for the state of washington as a whole right um 
So it'd be very interesting to see like people coming together now, now that before I lived uh, closer to downtown Seattle and now I live up north, um, that I can actually like figure out like what people are like going for. I'm still pretty much a big Bernie supporter, but I will stand for Warren, even though like when it comes to my whole political platform of the decommodification of, um, goods and services that are essential to people i feel like bernie's more in line with that than warren and that's why i will go for him but but other than that it'll be very interesting to see why people will say like no i want julian castro no i want um uh, joe biden or no i want kamala harris or you know i want amy klobuchar or i want someone <laughs> is, it, is anyone saying that no, I mean, <laughs> some people might be saying it like i think there are a lot of ways where each uh, presidential candidate resonates with people. I know that like Klobuchar and uh, Buttigieg are very much like the moderates. Um, Kamala Harris during the debates was talking about bringing back the Obama coalition. And I do think it's actually kind of important too that where I think a lot of times because we treat these things as like winners and losers, like one, like, you know, ones and O's mm -hmm. um, that we don't see like the nuance in our political scape. Like, we just had, like, our elections here in Washington, and we got about, like, overall, like, in King County, almost 60% of people voting, but there was 40% of people who didn't vote, right? And there's plenty, like, you know, and we vote by mail, like... I mean, I say that, you know, in the past, having been one of those people. So, like, right. I, I understand why maybe you just, like, don't <clears throat> give a rat's ass or something. But I do feel like there are chances, like, like is it, if we want to win this, do we rebuild the coalition, like they're saying, like the Blue Dog Democrats that went for Obama in 2012, but Trump for 2016? Uh, do we do what Obama also did and try to get, like, young people to come out and vote like he did in 2008? Um, they are also, Cory Booker was saying something that a lot of the reasons why Michigan went to Trump is because, um, of the lukewarm response from, uh, black folks. So, you know, yeah. I think there's a lot of avenues there that we can approach. And I still like looking at the percentage numbers, um, overall, like gerrymandering does play a part, but only about 18% of the electorate, like decided the election last time, uh, when it came to that. So I think... I think it's possible with the right connections and the right coalition building that you can um, get like get Trump out of office. But it, I guess, it all depends on how much like like me being an independent. Like I'm always I always say I want to hear both sides, but I think I'm more of a leftist now than anything. But I still feel like calling myself a Democrat isn't really where I'm at because I'm not that technocratic, but. Like, I'll still vote for the Democratic candidate because I'm still more for death by a thousand paper cuts than, like, you know, being hanged to death. So, you know, yeah, uh, that, that's that's where I'm at with it all. But, you know, I'll see what happens in the December debates. But then at this point now, I'm kind of I kind of want to hear what other people have to say about candidates and kind of like, like, how would they convince me? Because at least on my Facebook page, it's really much a Bernie versus uh, Warren thing. Yeah. And I think it's really much, and I think you find that divide based on how many people think capitalism is overall unfair. Yeah. Um, and, and what uh, extreme actions people want to take in order to change it up and make it more fair for more people. Right. Well, uh, looking at real clearpolitics.com they mm -hmm. have an average of the uh e economist uh quinnipiac 
which I think is like an East Coast kind of publication, mm-hmm. CNN, Politico, SUSA, and Emerson polls. <clears throat> so if you do take the average of those polls, uh, Biden is still leading with a 27%. Mm. Uh, Sanders comes in second now, so surpassed Warren, which it differentiates between different polls. The, the two of them kind of trade. But uh, for most polls... Uh, Sanders in the lead with the average at 18.3%, putting Warren at 15.8. Oh, wow. The largest gain getter, though, in the last month is Buttigieg, with oh, nice. now averaging 11% of the vote. So just four points shy of Warren. Uh, and then you have Harris and Yang, just over 3%. And then Bloomberg, who's the new polling. So he's already polling at 2.5%, which leads uh, Klobuchar, Booker, uh, Steyer, Gabbard, Castro. Um, and so, yeah, you know, Bloomberg, obviously 2.5% really low in the race, but you got to give him what? He's been in it for maybe 11 days. Yeah. And and that'll get him like, that's all you really need to be on a debate stage. Yeah. Um, also, also uh, another thing to note, Julian Castro, I believe wasn't there, um, at the debate stage and also, uh, Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard was there. Ooh. Uh, yeah, she wasn't there in October. No, I think she wasn't there in September, but she was there for October, and she's here for November. Um, the other new person that entered into the race on the 14th was a former Massachusetts uh, Governor Deval Patrick. Um, uh, he's pulling at 0.4%. Yeah, I don't, I know. There's like, you know, historically speaking, uh, people who've come into the races late don't get a lot of traction. So I don't necessarily understand why they're getting into the race this late, but I guess I'll have to like do a little deep dive on either of them and like give you a report back before the December debate. So you know, I, I would think it would have like a little bit to do with cost because mm-hmm. you 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 save the money that you would have used for the campaign the previous months that these guys have been campaigning. That's true. And then also, um, you can kind of see the direction that the debate is being pulled in mm-hmm. and, and where you can kind of hit your points and avoid some missteps, I guess. Oh, uh, yeah, no, that's good. Would be a reason. Um, but I do think you're right. I, I We don't really have any examples of candidates coming in this late that are that have been elected. We've had candidates that were already in the race that came on strong after this point, mm-hmm. i.e. Obama, yeah. um, who who have taken the election. So So that'll be interesting. Uh, is there any other things you wanted to... I mean, we can obviously talk more about the debate in the main episode. Is there anything else you wanted to call back to in our, our little early segment of callbacks? Uh, I don't I don't know why I wasn't thinking about this, but I remember I ranted about how I think uh, like smart technology is going to be a lot bigger and how I think Amazon is going to be in your fridge soon. And I still like really... Now I think that's like two years off <laughs> where like you get like some sort of fridge that has smart sensors... And because, like, now Alexa is being integrated into cars and stuff, I feel it's going to be very weird when you can just go, hey, Alexa, what's in my fridge? And and she'll know exactly what's in your fucking fridge. Right. Well, and, and they do have smart fridges. Mm-hmm. And they do have smart fridges with uh, LCD screens on the front and all these things. And they definitely, there was an episode of Silicon Valley mm-hmm. last season that made fun of that where um, they needed to use... The, the network of home devices to to gain a foothold in the market. And so they hacked a bunch of fridges. And then to cover up their tracks, they had all the fridges display porn. And oh so my they, God. They, everyone returned the fridges so they weren't going to get find the, the hack on the, uh, on the fridges. It was pretty funny. Uh, watch Silicon Valley, guys. It, mm-hmm. It's actually, it's not necessarily predicting these elections, but it's definitely predicting our relationship with 
technology and talking about it in kind of a snarky way, but in a way that's kind of more accurate to how we should be looking at these technologies than the way that the technology companies are showing them to us because obviously Mm -hmm. they're only showing us the good side of things. And uh, using the satire method, uh, Silicon Valley is definitely displaying that. But I do agree. I um, I do think smart, uh, you know, smart televisions are already a big thing. Uh, that fifty-five k or fifty-five inch four k upstairs is now it's a smart television. Yeah. So so that's already happening. And then yeah, if you just bring in appliances, you know, your uh, your washer and dryer and everything else. I mean it it. It's happening. I mean, we're getting whole smart homes. I mean, y- the lights in your room are are connected to smart devices. Oh so. yeah. I mean, I use that all the time. Yeah. So you know, and I just saw a there's a company giving Ring a run for its money, um, called like First Security or something like that. Oh okay. And they um and they have the electronic locks. So like, if the UPS guy shows up, you can like unlock your house and have him drop the package inside and mm-hmm. then you can relock your house. So. Uh yeah no and I mean uh we're we're definitely going to be trusting smart technologies more and more it's part of uh the future I, you know I mean privacy is less of a concern in the modern era like people as much as they talk about it you know we're not reading these terms and conditions we're, no we're, we're not. not we're not versing ourselves in the way these companies are using our data and information we sold our data for no money to these companies you know ten fifteen years ago. And, uh, you know, no one's really bringing a big stink about it. And yeah, I mean, the the bring up Andrew Yang again, he's like the only presidential candidate that talks about, hey, uh, if I was president, I would bring forth a like a national information coalition or something like that. That's not exactly what he called it, but basically like an agency that's tracking those things and making sure like good things are being done with your data because it's crazy. Like I'll look, like I know that uh, when I take Ubers, Uber definitely knows where I go on what day, and it will suggest to me like, "Oh, do you want to go to this place? Because you went to this place on Sunday last time." And I was like, "Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know." Or or it identifies work and home without you putting work and home in it. Mm-hmm. It just knows. Well, he spends, you know, he arrives here at nine p.m., so that's probably his home, mm-hmm. and he goes here at nine a.m., so that's probably his work. Mm-hmm. I'll identify it as that, and you can correct it if you want. But I'm just guessing this is your work at home, and like we don't really take any consideration of that. We're just like, oh, cool, Lyft knows where I live. Yeah, I mean, like, well, Google, like for a while, if you don't turn it off, like they'll use your GPS to track you, and then they like tell it to you in a cute way. It's like, oh, hey, look at your timeline. I'm like, why are you tracking where I've been though? Yeah, and you can turn it off, right? But it is honestly, I have used it when I've been too inebriated to know what happened. And been like, so what exactly did I do? And then, like, I won't remember where I went. Wow. Right? But, like, I'll look at w- what happened. Because I remember one time I was hanging out at a local uh, bar. And I think, like, I was like, oh, gosh. Like, from, like, 1230 to, like, when I went to bed, I was like, what did I do? What happened? And <laughs> then I looked at my phone. I was like, so I went home at 1 o'clock. Okay. <laughs> and <laughs> it was... So it was a weird peace of mind, even though, like, when they first told me they were tracking me, I was like, this is weird, but I probably should have looked at the terms and service, and maybe I wouldn't be so shocked by it. Right, yeah. Well, that, folks, is our segment called Callbacks. Callbacks. And uh, now we're in the official episode number 84, as it were. Jam. 84. 84 episodes, almost at a year, uh, midway through December. 
It'll be our uh, three-year anniversary of the show. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, hold your applause. Clap, oh. clap, 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 uh, clap. Yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think I only have crowd talking now. I don't even have a... Oh, oh see, that's <laughs> crowd talking. Um, but yeah, so three years in the show. Uh, not necessarily a direct response to Trump. We were uh, kind of in discussion for the podcast prior to the election. We mm. knew the politics and kind of... Uh, current events was going to be kind of the staple of the show. And then ultimately we became a response podcast because it was a month after Trump. And uh, if you go back and listen to episode one, uh, the very first song we played was Fuck Donald Trump by YG. So mm-hmm. uh, a, a great tune, you know. <clears throat> there was a lot of Donald Trump related rap tunes over the years. Actually. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's It's definitely because like... Like, and a lot of stuff that he did in the past is, like, coming out now, and I don't know, because uh, I remember hearing something about, like, him molesting a girl in 1994, and then there was a photo of him with Epstein um, and him being a creeper to this little girl, and now with the whole Epstein thing coming to light, you're like, okay, we need to look into that again. Yeah, right? and like, I know, I know and when he bought Miss Miss USA pageant, he mm-hmm. had some affiliation with the Miss Teen USA pageant. And oh, so Jesus. I think he like showed up at one of the like rehearsals or something, and there was some kind of references to him being around these like mm-hmm. 12 to 15-year-old girls who are like, you know, oh, oh you guys are going to be so gorgeous in the world, and it's so important mm-hmm. what you're doing. And it's kind of like awkward uh, it's like creeper creeper yeah you don't know it might not have broken any official laws and it might have been any molestation at the time but it's definitely like kind of a eyebrow raising moment oh yeah you know? no it's a, like, it's a like definitely especially if it was in the 90s yeah because i think uh i guess like just to be random i've been watching the toys that made us Oh yeah, and like now they have a new one called the movies that made us. Oh, and they did Home Alone. Yeah, and I'm very like, and having been a child of the '90s, I was five to fifteen in the '90s, so like that's my formidable years. I just remember just like how much like just asserted gender roles were there. Yeah, how big of a deal homosexuality was back then compared to how it is now. It was almost it, a punchline for a while. Oh was, yeah, they would be like, these two guys were doing this. Ha! <laughs> And mm-hmm. it's like, wait, the punchline is they were gay? Like, that's right. fucked up. Like, 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 I, and I kind of noticed it in the time. I remember mm-hmm. it being like, that's not really a joke. But mm-hmm. but like they'd straighten their tie and then the, the crowd would go crazy. The crowd ate it up. You yeah. Know? Like, I, I forget what else I was watching, but like the whole like Ellen coming out, like Katie Lang wearing like men's clothes on a... Um, uh, a magazine cover and things like that and I just like think about that now and I'm just like oh man yeah I was unindated with like gender related things and gender role things yeah. and I bring that up in toys uh, because toys like were like the most gendered thing that I can remember as a Bo- kid boys play with Hot Wheels girls play with Barbie right and one of the interesting things there is like I watched the one I started with the one about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and went to the one about Power Rangers then I went back to season one and I watched the ones about Star Wars and Barbie and and then it was very interesting like how all the women were talking about how in all those industries the industries were dominated by men and then men would always do a hard pass like no we don't understand this no and it took convincing by women to get like Barbie, which is like the biggest 
um, doll brand out there still, even though the thing said they got kind of uh, some market share competition by Bratz and the odds. Right. Um, that it w- And then also I just finished watching the Dirty Dancing one, and it had the same issue. Men all were like the executives and stuff making the decisions on the high end. You and can have w- Patrick Swayze dancing. All right. There's nothing manually about that. <laughs> right so so it's just funny how much that permeates right so like when people now are like fuck the patriarchy like i get it like right i totally get it and and i can under oh and this is other interesting thing like just to bring that up uh that now there's this new thing if i can find it that there there's this brand and i don't know what the brand is trying to sell me but it keeps sending me messages on facebook messenger about like so can you tell us what it's like about being a man and what's hard about being a man and i'm just like huh <laughs> and so but it's very interesting that they're doing this now as a marketing trend, especially when you get like the polarization of things like the Gillette ad or um, anything of the next thing is called Zegna, like Z E G N A. Uh, let me see. Yeah, it's an interesting. I mean, obviously, as you know, times change. You know, our opinions change. Because I, 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 I was lo- looking at a lot of like marketing. And if you mm-hmm. look at marketing of like household items in the 1950s, it's oh, all Lordy. it's all marketed to women, but it's marketed to women for how it's going to make their man so happy. Yeah. So to be like, you know, it'll make your man happy. Buy this Bissell vacuum and fucking clean the house while he's at work because that's what he needs. Right. You know? Especially um, also watching those things where uh, getting married with your meal ticket back then. Right. Right. And especially since like divorce was taboo. And and women and like there was laws against divorce and I think there was a big thing in like the late sixties where it became like freeing for women to get divorces and that's when like the divorce rate skyrocketed because, you know, people were in bad relationships but stayed into it because of social pressures. So. Right, right. Which I think still happens like, you know, um the divorce rates in like the South is a little lower, like Alabama, mm-hmm. Mississippi, and I think it's still that social construct, you know. There's still bad marriages down there, but people uh, feel the need to kind of like toe the line and stay mm-hmm. with it. It's also the same thing with drinking down there because, like, I heard, uh, you know, I have family down there and someone opened this like craft uh, distillery whiskey spot. Okay. Which up here in the Northwest would just be like a dime a dozen. Those open like every two to three years, you know? For sure. And people are like, oh, it's really great. And then they have a smoky flavor and they have this. But the talk of the town during like church and everything would be what people were seen going into this establishment and they'd be like oh can you believe the andersons went in there and had some drinks so it's like i'm like really in 2019 people are getting shamed for trying whiskey yeah in alabama so wow interesting you know it's like culturally and you know i'm not combining you know patriarchy feminism and and drinking culture is the same thing what i'm saying is like our opinions of these things change, but for some reason, certain areas and certain places kind of hold down on these these archaic kind of values. And I mean, the same spot in you know Alabama has the those shitty abortion laws. So yeah, you know you can kind of see it. A, a lot of that in in particular is obviously related to the church, and you wonder if maybe that has something to do with the 1950s kind of repression in marriage. If if you know, I think church going was probably a little higher back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, the admission of being agnostic or atheist or just non-church attending would probably be lower in that period than than it is today. Um, it probably actually, I mean, what do you think? Are we more religious or re- less religious of a nation at this point? Do more people um, go to standardize 
uh, houses of worship on a weekly basis now or less as a majority? Um, mm, that's a good question. But I do, every time that comes up, I actually like to go back to how the divide happened when we became a, an agrarian society um, and not being, uh, you know, hunters and gatherers and nomads. Uh, because it seems like for ever since we had like the cities in the country, there's been a propagation of uh, like big, huge ideas in cities and less propagation of those big ideas in the country. And it seems like it, it, the more and more industrialized we get, um, the more and more that happens. So I do think Americans overall are still somewhat religious. I do think that religiosity is split between whether you're Christian and all the sects that come with that, uh, whether you're uh, Jewish or whether you're Muslim or if you're other, like, you know, you can be Buddhist or Baha'i or things like that. Uh, last time I checked, I think maybe only 9 to 12% of Americans are atheist slash agnostic. It's 18.2% as of 2016. Oh, it went up. Okay. 18.2% of the Americans declared to not be re religiously affiliated. So we are still a majority religious nation. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. Interesting. It's just like, and then like the whole thing about churches, I know people who will be like, you know, God is with you all the time. God is good. And have that be a big part of their personality and how they view the world. But these people may not also go to church on Sundays. Uh, so I think there are places where, like, that's the one place where communities gather, and that's the one place, especially in smaller cities or mid-sized cities where that needs to happen, that'll happen. Uh, but, uh, I think, like, now, you know, with the ability to watch it, um, on TV, or, like, if that's not a big part of your life, it might not be, like, not all religious people are probably going to houses of worship all the time. Yeah. And then, like, we also have to, like, make sense, like, I, I say on Sundays, but remember, um, the Jewish Sabbath is on Saturday, and for... Uh, Muslim Sabbath's typically Friday? Yes. Yeah. Right, yeah. which... And then a lot of religions, uh, you know, certain types of Christianity, Catholicism, have you go in on Wednesdays mm -hmm. as well, you know. Um, yeah. No, and that's all interesting, and, and I think, you know, it... It, it actually ties into all of our other conversations, mm -hmm. you know, like about women's rights, about um, sexuality and about politics. Mm -hmm. uh, I think a lot of it comes back to these religious platforms that people are raised in or, or stand on and, and how they kind of can go back to these, um, quote unquote, ancient texts, uh, you know, um, and and use those as the basis of their arguments that they make. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, there's and a lot of that. Every single presidential candidate who's been elected has always been quote unquote religious. Oh yeah, no, we do not have like we are not rational enough. I would say I don't know. That sounds like a shot at something, but <laughs> and, um, but I don't think we're at that point where an atheist president could get elected. Yeah, which right. is which is interesting. Yeah, although one would say we're almost at that point where a woman president can't get elected at this point. I mean, it's like we get we get as close as Hillary, you know, and takes the popular vote, and yet still mm -hmm. doesn't quite carry enough states. It's you know we have a lot of issues 
with the types of people we want to accept as our leaders. Mm-hmm. And I honestly would I would I would think it would be very refreshing to both either a have a woman actually get elected president and give them a shot at, at running this place or also in an atheist or an atheist woman, you know, somebody who uh, I, I wish would be like strongly governed by science. I would yeah. hope, I would hope that would be the doctrine that they they fell upon. I suppose you could have some type of anarchist uh, atheist who just has no basis in in uh, science or the scientific method, but yeah, most of the atheists I've met is because they kind of the doctrine they believe in is science. Yeah, I mean, like being an atheist myself, and if I'm like push up my nose, being really technical, I'm an agnostic atheist because, like. I really hated that people split agnosticism and atheism when once like what you know and once what you believe and those are two separate things. But I digress. Um, like it, for me, I feel like uh, when I was religious, I wasn't asking good enough questions. Uh-huh. And I started to fall out of it when I started, like, questioning things. Like, one of the things I question is, like, my dad worked at a private school. And I went to this private school. And some of the students that I attended there were Jewish. Some of the students I attended with were Catholic. I was a uh, Baptist Christian. And I remember asking my dad on my way to church, why are we right and they're wrong? And then his explanation was... Well, my dad said you got to believe in something uh, um, and all this. And now I'm kind of just like, well, I don't know. Whatever happens, happens, I guess. I kind of like The Good Place because The Good Place kind of does like, you know, a whole satire on like moral systems and everything like that. And I also like call back to when I talked about the moral systems that were taught uh, from Crash Course. So you can kind of see like how different philosophers and how people might actually engage with that. And also when I talked about how like if someone's like deontological or forget what the other one is, but if they think like the rules are set by a higher power or if they're like a consequentialist, which like I am, which I look more at the consequences of your actions than some like big, huge moral code that everyone needs to follow. Right, right. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And, you know, that's interesting too. the makeup of our actual country in that. You know, you have this heavily Mormon kind of area in Mm -hmm. Utah, kind of southwest, and then you've got the Southern Baptist, and then you've kind of got more of a Protestant Catholic thing going on in the Northeast. And then to a degree, I mean, Seattle and Portland are officially the least religious metropolitan areas in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, with um, Our religion is mimosas. <laughs> and brunch. Yeah. <laughs> we pray to brunch. <laughs> oh, man. That's so real. That's so real. You know what's funny about that is there's this show on Hulu called Dollface. It just oh, like, I finished that recently. Y- yeah, and they go to the brunch, and the guy's like, "Hallelujah, you shall have your mimosa bottomless." And like, it's, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Man. Yeah, that's a, that's a, a y'all should go watch it. Like, I liked it. I really enjoyed it. I watched it because Cat Dennings in it, and so was Brenda Song. So I was like. See my my homegirl Esther Pozitsky's in it too. She plays uh, Allison B, but the fake Allison B, who's actually Izzy. Oh yeah, because she was on Crazy Ex Girlfriend. She's yeah, she's a comedian from LA. I've been following. She did oh a, shit, okay. She did a podcast with the late Brody Stevens. Oh R- R.I.P. Called uh, Brode and Esther, and it was uh, they did about twelve episodes together, where he's like this aging kind of late forties comedian mm-hmm. uh, who who's just very eccentric and loud, and then she's this quiet kind of 
younger uh, new age comedian, and and yet they were really good friends. I think at one point they lived in the same apartment complex. Oh wow! So okay. They, they uh, it, it's it's a sweet it's a sweet show, and it's a good. Uh, reminder of how funny uh, Brody was, but also how kind of out of tune he was to the new kind of culture and like social media and all that. And she mm-hmm. was literally like on her phone for every episode and we'd talk about tweeting and and uh, and and Instagram culture and stuff. So but yeah, check that out. Dollface. It's interesting. And it's a, you know, it's a woman forward show. It's got kind of like, uh, it's got a cast of mostly women and they, mm-hmm. they kind of go through the motions of modern society and kind of those segments that we see um, out there, you know, the popular person, the just trying to get their work done, don't know really what they're doing person. Mm-hmm. And then uh, who's that? What did you say the name of the actress is the main? Is that Kat Denning? Who's, that's that's Kat Denning. She, yeah. And she's just kind of the lost soul of the, of the show, the main protagonist who um, is breaking up with her boyfriend's kind of the, the starting kind of point of the whole show. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's interesting. Religion, uh, politics, patriarchy, sexuality, they all kind of are mixed into this soup of, mm-hmm. of, of opinion and belief. And, and it all kind of, it, it's interesting how, it, depending on which one someone is kind of more aligned with or, or, or leaning towards, whether it's their own personal values or it's a value that they hold, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're, you know, there's male feminists and, and male uh, people who are allies to to different uh, situations that are happening, and and women who are allies to you know progress for immigrants and things that aren't necessarily their cause, you know. So you can be for a cause that's not necessarily your own personal signed up cause. But it's interesting when you hear the arguments made, they go back to these like, well, I just don't believe that, or I don't know, I was raised different, you know. They don't actually have to use like scientists, science or scientific method. Method, you have to qualify your argument. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to qualify your position and and create the claim and actually make something out of it but in in like political discussions just on the kind of regular or what you might see on fox news it's really Mm -hmm. just someone being like well we were raised very differently and everything worked for us yeah i mean i feel like every time i listen because usually my mind has changed because i asked to myself or something has challenged me to say but why though um, and, and I've said this a bunch of times on the show, but I'll continue to say it. Like if you're listening and someone says something that you think is weird or, you know, it's something that they've been taught all their lives, you know, maybe you might spark a, a different way of thinking if you just go, but why though? And, and then like, there's a term, but moral dumbfounding. And that's usually means where you believe something, but you actually had no good reason to believe it. It was just like an indoctrination or you believed it because a lot of times, especially in more of these like hierarchical cultures like the church and things like being an elder gives you a degree of respect and a degree of, you know, agency over like how like everyone says, like, I believe this because my grandfather told me this. I have even said like, oh, I believe this because my dad taught this to me. Right. Right. And there's some things that. I believe now that that now I believe outside the authority of my parents, but because it's good practical advice. And there's other things that now where I'm old enough now where I can say, well, that wasn't quite good advice, right? But you were doing the best with what you got. And you also probably weren't asking, but why though? At like a lot of things. Like I really think like in one of the reasons why, um, although in a weird sense, atheism, um, 
kind of has its weird places on the right and the left. Uh, like not all atheists think the same, of course. And sometimes like the whole free thinking thing and being like critical or basically taking skepticism to the point where it's more like um, an entropy where you're not really trying to ask, but why though, in a way that says, let me draw a conclusion that makes the most sense by everything we can observe and everything that we understand about a particular subject. Right. But every time like someone goes, it's all like, well, you know, uh, maybe I should put plum on pizza, but why though? Because I think it'll taste good. How do you know that? Uh, because I tried it and I liked it. Okay. Uh, but I'm still not sure about that. Right. It's like, well, eh, I know that's like a, probably a really bad example, <laughs> but like all I'm trying to say is like some, some people will say, oh, well, I can draw a conclusion of like, I like it. I dislike it. I'm indifferent about it. I'm ambivalent about it. Um, and it's no, is of no concern to me. And some people are just like, but I don't know. And, like, and that's all they end. Like, that's where they end at. It's all like, right. but I don't know. <laughs> like, so, and that, and that frustrates me a lot about, like, skepticism as a community, as it can be sometimes. Like, because, like, to be a skeptic is to, like, challenge your preconceptions and to look at the world differently. But eventually you're supposed to draw a conclusion based on the information. But also just kind of like what Chris Rock said in Dogma, you're supposed to have a good idea, but you're not supposed to be, like, um, like convinced about it. Like, like, you can have strong convictions but held weakly. Right. And, huh. and be willing to like have that. And that's how I feel like I can be sometimes because like I saw a thing on my news feed that came up like right after Trump got elected. Um, and it was like people on the left, people on the right, people in the middle. And it was this thing about how people treat them. And it was sort of like this idea of like it kind of created like bunny ears racism for the red people and uh, bunny ears SJW stuff for like the blue. And then in the middle, it's all like, why can't we just see people as people? And now right. I'm kind of like, well, now I understand why the blue people are like that because things that are marginalized and like systems that are intact that we have that we aren't challenging and that necessarily can't be challenged by individuals unless individuals are working as a group. Um, and institutions are how like structures and status quo get maintained. So when people are challenging those things, that's why. So even if you think it's fair to just hire someone based on their merits, which is what I said back then in this post, and I was like, the people on the like in blue people hate me for it. Now three years later, Chaz will say like, well, no, I know why they do it now, and it makes perfect sense why they do it. But if you don't understand all the things like behind it, that like you know the soil that it grows in and what you need to water it in order to make it grow, then you're just going to be like, this is unfair. Fuck you. What if I sold you this cupcake for two fifty, but I sold it to you for $2 because you're black. You don't like that, do you? Right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, uh, right? And so, and that, and that's how like, isn't that some just a people, progressive tax? Right. <laughs> 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 right no because that's what i feel like some college students do on campus when they're like against affirmative action like they they distill it down to something that like like you know the prices of cupcakes aren't indicative of uh an institution or a system that marginalized people constantly right it's right. just you selling one bitch as a um, commodity at different price points to try to prove your point of you know very surface level quote-unquote racism it's bullshit but you know I not in racism terms, but I saw a meme that was posted by uh, the anonymous group on the internet, and it was a picture of a um, 
I, I think it was a church, but it was basically, uh, why do, uh, uh, why do heroin addicts get Narcan for free and I have to pay $750 for my insulin? Mm-hmm. And then the anonymous poster had crossed out all the references to the Narcan and the heroin addict and just had it say, why do I have to pay $750 for my insulin? Exactly. mundo. And the anonymous uh, response below was, other people's struggle aren't your like definition of what your situation is. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can help fix their problem and then bring your problem up as a separate entity that needs addressing. You don't have to reference just because you know, somebody was able to overcome something or gain something because mm-hmm. it was necessary for their survival, mm-hmm. that that somehow takes away from your struggle or your, your ability. So Exactly. Like, that's another thing. Like, ask people about why, though, and learn what the word concurrently means. Like, we can do things concurrently, right? Like, there's 7 billion people on the planet. Like, things are happening concurrently all the fucking time, yeah. right? Like, you don't need to treat it as, like, just because I got $5 and you get 50 fuck you. Like, like no. Like, things, uh, concurrent things happen all the time. And if the more you look at it and the more you watch it, you'll see that it happens all the time. So, you know, like, we can work on these things together and separately just as long as we know what goals that we're working towards because, you know, yeah. That, that that's another thing like that i remembering like three years ago that really annoys me now it's like it's always like everything is seems to be subjugated to binaries and i'm like no this is why like learning things that are on a spectrum even the most like biological things that are on spectrums i think would give people a fuller understanding of just like how things in like the world works like both like nature and like structural systems but also just like it'll show you like the levels of intensity of things like 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 you know how you like basically i'll say say it like this you're listening to audio right now yeah. could you imagine if you listening to audio was audio on versus audio off instead of uh, i want my audio to be at eight and i want and someone else wants their audio to be at six right right like like that's basically what you're saying every time you try to make some dumb shit a binary it's just like i can't change the level of my audio i just turn it on turn it off like no you know damn well the world doesn't work that way right so it's like like yeah maybe we can stop doing that we'll have a better understanding of how different individuals experience the human condition and maybe stop trying to stifle certain uh levels of the human condition as long as they're not hurting anybody because they know they exist on this part of the spectrum where you exist on this other part of the spectrum exactly well, with that, man, we are on the trailing tail end of this show. Is there any other uh, major topics that you wanted to uh, get through before we uh, we sail off into that good night? Uh, I did want to touch on whatever Zanga was um, sending me because they have some interesting uh, questions for men here. And I've also been meaning to buy a book called uh, We Real Cool by Bell Hooks that kind of goes into uh, black folks and their in like their proclivities to hyper masculinity and things that I've grown up with. Like from I don't have any big things that I can think of right now, but once I get a hands on that book and start reading it, definitely want to tell you my thoughts on it because that's definitely a part of myself that I've been exploring and based on like what my actions have been and my mindset have been because of things like. Like that yeah uh, and i want to say i just finished uh idea man by paul allen which if oh. you really are into the kind of beginnings of this internet culture and kind of where it was taken and or you're a fan of paul allen and his enterprises like the trailblazers and the seattle seahawks 
or obviously his early uh, development within Microsoft. Uh, it's a really interesting book that spans uh, several decades of Seattle's history, of technology's history, mm-hmm. um, and about kind of being bold enough to, to make your own way in the world. I think it could be an inspirational book for anybody who's out there who's young, who's kind of looking into maybe getting into coding or doesn't know if it's for them. Uh, I know we've always been a pro coding show. It's indeed. It's not the 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 fix all pill like some people are trying to make it. They're like teach truckers how to code and it'll yeah, fix no, everything. But no. uh, but it's a good thing. And then the other one, obviously, uh, I did just recently watch the documentary The Apollo that HBO produced. Oh, uh, it was very inspiring about um, an institution that's been around since 1934 there in the Harlem of New York. Uh, it went through some uh, bad times in the 70s. They had to shut it down for a while. It came back as kind of a non-profit entity of the state of New York. Oh, wow. Um, okay. It's a very black forward institution. It's showtime. Oh, they, uh, <laughs> they, host, they host an amateur night every Wednesday Going back all the way to their roots in 1934, Damn. Uh, people like Patti LaBelle and, um, you know, kind of early uh, people from Motown were, you know, I think a uh, Stevie Wonder at age 12 graced oh, yeah, the stage of the Apollo right. at the amateur night. So uh, it's it's it still continues to this day. People reach out to try and do it. And recently they did a play version of the book between the world and me oh shit by tiny hossie coats coats which now i have the e-version and i just started reading it this week uh it's definitely a emotional response to a death uh in in his world uh someone he knew and was close to was killed uh in a police shooting uh in the late 90s and then um living through the 2012 and uh st louis kind of area as well as the um, Trayvon Martin and all the other kind of headline uh, issues with the uh, with the blacks being shot by unarmed blacks being shot by cops. Uh, he he kind of attributes it in the form of a letter to the son of the uh, the slain friend that he had. How could he explain these instances to somebody who had lost their father? And that's kind of the epicenter of this book, and it kind of pulls through the emotions of of our time in in those in those regards. So yeah, I also recommend that book. I think I finished the audio book of it a few years ago. Yeah, um, and yeah, definitely. Uh, also, let's see. So, some one of the questions that I ask on here is like, as a man, do you sometimes find it difficult to show you care? For example, providing for partners or children, expressing your most emo- expressing your emotions or dealing with mental health. And, you know, I guess, you know, sometimes, like, now I'm getting better at it. I can definitely say, like, there's been times in my life where probably because I was born with a penis and (laughs) people think I should act a certain way because I was born with a penis. Yeah. Like, I say that because penis and vagina aren't bad words, right? Like, (laughs) they aren't. Like, no, no. I remember seeing this one one meme where, like, you wouldn't be able to tell a child was getting molested because they had a pet name for their genitals um in this particular instance they called it a cookie and they're saying like their uncle licked their cookie which was to say that their uh 
uncle was molesting them, but they couldn't communicate that because in their house, vagina was a bad word. Uh-huh. So, right, like, so there, there's a reason why, like, even though you might think it's a bit, like, yes, I'm being provocative when I say penis, right? <laughs> but I'm also being like, I want to desensitize you from, like, thinking that's a bad word and there's semantic satiation. So I'm just going to be like, penis, penis, penis. And and you won't, you like, you won't think it's weird anymore. Well, anyway. I mean, I, I just think back to a couple episodes where you <laughs> You called Tinder the propaganda of your penis. Yes. Go ahead. Yes, that's why, like, the the bricks are going to keep falling. I'm going (laughs) to keep making penis jokes, but I'm going to be making penis jokes that aren't really about, like, how big someone's dick is, just, like, how people are prudes (laughs) about talking about penises. Like, you know? Anyway. Oh, (laughs) Those emails can be sent to hylbox at gmail.com. That's hylbox at gmail.com. Okay, go ahead. What's the next question? (laughs) Uh, there's other one. They're, they have a whole bunch of them. Like, sign up for it um, if you're a man and you feel like you need a space to, in order to like explore this part of your mind. Uh, this other one does the fear of failure keep you awake at night? For example, letting people down, failing at work, or having to look brave. Ooh, right. And like, and I was like taken aback by that one because I was like, really though, <laughs> and. And I was like, no, but I guess for some people, yeah, I guess that would be the case. Especially since in this world, like, I'm single. I don't have any kids. I get to spend my own money, right? But if someone's, like, working and have to take care of and, like, because we still kind of live in a very men are the breadwinner culture, Uh right? So I can definitely see in that particular case, and that's what I grew up with. Uh, that there can be men that's like, well, I got to bring home the bacon. I got to get out here and work. Um, if I don't work, I can't pay the mortgage. I can't pay for the kids' braces. I can't, you know, right? right. Like, so I get, I get that. Like, if the fail of failure means like, if you fail, your family fails. Yeah. Right. And I do feel like for that instance, I'm just like, you know, uh, if you have a like two income home and or like the woman doesn't always have to be at home or even if we just look at like you know uh same-sex marriages or if we look at polyamory or if we just look at like i've mentioned before like i think one of the things that i've been noticing um about just how heteronormative our society is and going back to our earlier discussion about politics religion and things like that because those also can be very heteronormative i do feel like them asking these questions i ultimately I see it as a challenge of heteronormativity. And I would hope that people would say, like, sure, like, there's nothing wrong if you want the single breadwinner, own a house, you do everything. But understanding that, like, that comes with a lot of stress. And there's, like, you know, there's communal housing. I know I've met people who lived all in one house. They all had children, but they all collectively paid for the bills. Yeah. And they they were, they were living a good life. They're still, like, we kind of have this cadence in our society, too, where at a certain age, you need to have certain things in your life. Like, right. it's supposed to have a car like like you're supposed to learn how to drive when you're 16 you know um and all that other stuff but it's like you're supposed to move out of your parents house after you get out of college you're supposed to buy a home by you know probably age like 30 or whatever supposed to have kids by 35 i know this is like all bullshit and like you know people are all on their own fast and you don't have to follow this but and millennials have been pushing that back by 10 15 years i know right the last 20 so exactly because our like we didn't pay like four figures to go to college but yeah exactly (laughs) i'm sorry boomers but but (laughs) but you know 
<laughs> you, you know. <laughs> That's the new one. I'm sorry, boomers. Instead of okay, boomers. Uh, right. I'm sorry, boomers. I'm sorry, boomers. I'm sorry. Right, but but yeah. So <laughs> it, it, I think it's interesting that you're doing this. I'm gonna keep tracking it and answering the questions that I think are pertinent to me. But it, it's cool. I think uh, if you wanna talk to it, or if you're out there saying like I I'm a man and I don't think like the plights of men are being really talked about. Uh, yeah, go go do it because we've talked about it a few times on the show, and I always try to delineate like you know what problems do men face because of like you know cultural institutions in our society versus what issues do women face because of cultural institutions in our society so yeah and i think like you have to understand all of it in order to see a path forward so yeah no that makes that makes sense and i mean as we kind of move through uh this era and the boomers as we know them are kind of fading out as the influencers of our society mm-hmm. you know we're going to see more of an incorporation of a of a of a of a broader spectrum of people hopefully whether mm-hmm. it's it's income brackets or diversity or sexuality or you know um opinions and these things that have been all kind of boxed in for the last uh 100 years basically and you know um you know, women have only had the right to vote for a hundred years. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's uh, it's a it's a it's a new age that we live in, and we just have to make sure that we don't get dissuaded by the election of people like Donald Trump. We don't get dissuaded by the appointment of these uh, Supreme Court nominees and stuff. That we continue the fight that we want, that we need, that we have to see for this world. And and hopefully, as time moves on, we will take those uh, influence influential positions. And uh, and obviously, we got to get someone in office this 2020 because uh, you know RBG or RGB, what is mm-hmm. it? Ruth Bader Ginsburg, RBG. She, you know, her health is is going a little bit. Yeah. And, and she spent some time off the bench this this month, and uh, it it would be it would be good on us to get a um, progressive uh, candidate in office that can replace either her or anybody else who leaves the court in the next, you know, four to uh, eight years. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And definitely like like I've become a more politically active now, but Gen Zers, you know, uh y'all y'all are about to like, you know, you can register up to vote um up until like I guess your birthday has to be like maybe a day before um the election day for you to be able to vote. So yep. like and just like we were talking about the Obama coalition, like Obama won because he got us to vote, right? Because right. in like 2008 um, I was 22, 23, yeah. um, and, and he got us to come out there and vote. So if you're like, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, like we need you. Right. Right. And, and I just want you to go out there and vote. Like if you have your values and, and you haven't gotten to that point yet where you've asked, but why though, you know, like, but vote because, uh, right now millennials, like I hope millennials are going to go out and vote. Like, because like, that's us, that's Mikel, like, you know, that's, Pete Buttigieg. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so so I think we already know how fucked up it is and we should go out there and vote but for but Gen Z, right? And if you don't care about all like the labels and how they're manufactured, I'm like, it's just a framing context. You know who you are. Um like yeah, go out there, like figure out what candidates you like, figure out who you stand for. Like, 
but we see you out there being politically active. So I feel like you're more engaged with this than I was at that age. Right. And I feel like you're not going to be jaded. Like, you know, uh, your other generations, your vote matters Yeah, In, in six to eight years. You could be the next AOC. Yeah. You know what I mean? You could be uh Boyson Slat who we've talked about who's mm-hmm. um you know trying to fix clean up the oceans. He doesn't live in the Pacific garbage patch, but he's trying to clean it up, mm-hmm. you know. You, you're the generation that's coming after us has a lot of value in their the access to information and the access to solutions and the access to um kind of give your opinion and your voice out there and one way to do that is this archaic system of voting and ballots and we need you to be participating in that because there's Mm -hmm. there's no better way we have at this point in time to get uh legislation and get people in power who can uh really protect uh, our world and our values so uh with that i usually like to interrupt with uh with a happy topic we've talked some things up i'll just say um check out david borey's special on comedy central that's spelled uh, G-B-O-R-I-E, pronounced Bori. Uh, he's also the voice of Comedy Central, so you'll hear him uh, doing his thing in the interstitials between shows. Mm. Uh, he's a member of the All Fantasy Everything podcast family who I'm good friends with, so also listen to them. Uh, give a shout-out to Sean Jordan, Ian Carmel, and take a look at CBS coming up uh, this spring when uh, Ian Carmel is a part of a show with, uh, I think, uh, Keegan-Michael Key as the main host. And uh, they're going to have Gronk on it and Serena Williams. And it's going to be a sports comedy game show called Game On. Okay, nice. So they'll have uh, physical challenges and trivia contests and all things sports and fun. So uh, congratulations to Ian Carmel for getting that greenlit. It's part of the James Corden Productions, uh, who's his boss, as he is the youngest head writer of a late-night talk show. Oh, wow. So check those guys out, and also check out Dollface uh, with the comedian I mentioned, Esther Pazinski, and uh, the actors that uh, Chaz favors here. So That's right, Kat Dennings and Brenda Song, y'all. Yeah, it's pretty good. Oh, she's hilarious. Oh, yeah, yeah, she's funny, man. I like her character. <laughs> uh, so with that, you can always get a hold of me at C-Town Mayor. On the Twitter sphere, I'm your municipality helper by the coast. Uh, you can also, as mentioned earlier, email the show at hylbox at gmail.com. That's h-y-l-b-o-x at gmail.com. How can they get a hold of you, Chaz? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Chaz underscore Baz. You can find me on uh, the Instagrams and the TikTok as Chaz dash Baz. Uh, one Z in the Chaz, two Zs in the Baz. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually realize, like, I tell that to people, and, and I forget, like, there's people named Chaz with two Z's, and I'm just like, but why, though? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that does it for this one. You can't be a Chazist, man. <laughs> you, just, you really can't. You can't. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, folks, this has always been fun, Chaz. I always appreciate it. Thanks for coming by the JPR3 studios. Of course. It's been a blast. I love putting this out there. You know, no, this is what we do. Uh, so, uh, folks, thanks again, and uh, we out. Peace. Shot. I was trying